there they are creating chaos. Those are my guys right there. They are doing it for you every single day. And I'm your man, Harbaugh Hards. Thank you for joining another edition of Hanging with Harbaugh. That's right. Those guys do a great job. Chaos theory. Don't ever forget that. Make sure you hit them up and always pay attention. As we always say at every single show, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe and check this out. My man, Brad Kellner, BK, the man behind the plan, has just set us up with Texas Sports Unfiltered text line 512-222-9328. That's right. Uh, now you can hit us up on the every single platform that you can look for us at. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. And, of course, you can find us on YouTube. It's your boy, Harbaugh Harge. Welcome back to another edition, episode two of Hanging with Hard. This week, we're going to continue to talk about Alabama. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened between the Astros and the Rangers. I know it's, uh, they're battling for the, the boot and trying to take back Texas. They're battling for playoff spots, and they had a great game yesterday. Well, it was a great game if you're a Houston Astro fan. Not so much for those Texas Rangers. And then I got this question that's out there. Is Micah Parsons your pick? for defensive player of the year. There's a huge opportunity there. He's been talking about it. I know a lot of the fans think that he has that type of ability. I'm a huge Cowboy fan, so I'm looking forward to it. But you know the expectations don't always meet the desire during that time. But one thing I do know about that young man is that he brings it every single day. All right, so check this out. We want to talk about this right now. we got a big, big week, Alabama week. We don't want to spend too much time on what happened uh, with Rice. We went through that yesterday. The main thing that I was thinking after the show yesterday was what is it that makes us want to jump off of a bandwagon right away? And I'm not calling it a bandwagon. I, you know, loyal fans are loyal fans, and and everything else will be – uh, just right, right? You you want to sit there and you want to put yourself in the player's shoes. And that's what I always want fans to think about. Um, these guys work hard every single day to, to go out there and to perform at a very high level. Um, these kids are getting offered scholarships early and being able to, to make that journey in their life what they've always set out to be. I was thinking about that yesterday. And the reason why I was thinking about it is because we're so quick to look at a play or a player and think that they are failing in certain matters. Now, obviously, there will be a time where it just doesn't work out. I've been released quite a few times in my professional baseball career. So I understand the trials and tribulations of the athletes and what they go through to achieve at a very, very high level and a very high standard. Not only are we looking at the standards that you guys are putting on them, the standards that they put on themselves are way higher than you can ever imagine. When you come and get an opportunity to play at elite level, no matter the sport, no matter the occupation, if you decide that you want to be a computer programmer and you want to be that guy that can 
get to the top and lead a company and be that CEO, you got to make sacrifices. You have to put the work and the time and the effort into it to achieve those goals. So with that being said, do you honestly believe that Quinn Ewers, because he was the hot topic, he was the hot topic. And I know we get caught up in watching some of these other quarterbacks go out there and perform at a very high level. And we know that he came in as one of the highest ranked, if the, not the highest ranked player in Texas football history. We get that. So we expect a lot of wow plays. I don't think we've seen a lot of them. I don't think we're not going to see them because I tro- I firmly believe that we will see some wild plays by Quinn Ewers. Hell, last year, everybody was all excited about that Bama game. We went through the numbers. We talked about what he did. And unfortunately, he got hurt. And that changed the trajectory of his season. And not only that, it changed the outlook of the Texas football team. But what if? What if that golden moment happened this week? Are you back on the Quinn Ewers bandwagon? Are you looking at him a little bit different than what you did last week? If he hits a couple of those throws, how are you feeling about that? That's interesting to me. That's interesting to me. So I wanted to make sure that everybody took a step back for a moment. Now, if he goes out next week, if he goes out this week and against Alabama, a very uh, difficult opponent, as we all know, a team that is always ready to play, even when they have a down season, it's still better than a lot of people's great seasons. If he goes out and he doesn't perform well against that, are we going to look at the sideline? Are we going to look at the coaching staff? Are we going to look at him? What is it that you're paying the most attention to today? That's what I want to know. That is what I want to know. What are you going to be paying attention to? And what are your expectations for this team this week? I want to also get into the conversation of uh, our man, Coach Sark, yesterday. He had a uh, press conference and a lot of those questions were asked about, you know, the offensive line, what he thought about the defense. I mean, uh, going forward on fourth down, are the mistakes correctable? And most importantly, here's what he had to say about Quinn's performance that everybody's being so critical of at this moment. I thought for the most part he did. I thought there were moments where, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you guys noticed today, but Coach Milwee was on the field for us this year. So he's kind of down having his position coach on the field and Coach Jackson was upstairs. So I thought Coach Milley and he have good rapport. And I thought that helped when things maybe got a little uneasy, uh, when the protection wasn't quite as good as we would have liked it to have been. Um, I thought he got himself kind of recentered, And that was a real positive for me because a year ago, you know, he got sacked a couple times there at the end of the first half. I don't know what might have happened coming out into the second half. Today, he comes out in the second half, looked much more comfortable. So he was able to recenter himself, which I think shows a lot of maturity on Quinn's part. Uh, but I think also having that rapport, having Coach Milwee on the field, I think was helpful as well. Sorry about that. That was from Saturday. That was from Saturday's game, what he thought about Milwee. I mean, excuse me, Coach Milwee being there, but what Quinn, yours, 
was able to do on the field um, to adjust with the quarterback's coach being there with him. Because most of the time, if in case you don't remember, there wasn't a lot of conversation between uh, Sark and Quinn yours during that time because the quarterback's coach was up in the box. Kyle Flood, who is technically the, the offensive coordinator by definition, he too was dealing with his offensive line. So there wasn't a lot of interacting with that. So I think that's a big, big step uh, for for Sark and what we got a chance to see with Quinn yours. I think it's very important for them to have that relationship. Another relationship that we were talking about is the offensive line. There were some things that didn't go well during that time. And obviously the coaching staff and what everybody wants to believe is this, this, this offensive line needs to play better. It's obvious they need to play better. Um, they, they look like they had some sort of mistakes and they weren't in the right place, but he had an opportunity to ask about uh, the offense and, and what do you expect to see happen as we continue to look at it? Um, the, the things that they need to focus on, to make themselves better. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. Yesterday's conversation was a little testy, if you ask me. There were some questions that were being asked. And I don't know if it's the game face. It's game week. You're going up against Alabama. This is that time for you to lock in and be ready to go. And I'm cool with it. I actually was kind of smiling with some of the back and forth because his mentality and his thought process has been one of, of competitiveness, right? So his mind is working on this game plan. He knows that his team didn't play at hidden on all cylinders. He understands that. I understand that. And you as a fan understand it. But is it, like I said, when do you still keep believing instead of running away from it? I thought that uh, Sark talked about his O-line play on Rice after watching the film. And he gives you a little bit of insight on what some of the things that need to be fixed. I thought Christian Jones had a nice game uh, at tackle. Uh, you know, he's probably the cleanest performer on the offensive line. I, I felt like the rest of the guys kind of took turns with some simple errors, you know, things that, that reverted back to kind of training camp stuff that, um, like I said, I knew we could, we could fix and, and that we're, we'll get fixed this week. The thing I didn't love, I didn't love our physicality. I, I feel like we were a more physical football team than the way we played. Um, and so that's a real challenge to our guys. You know, there's a style and manner in which we want to play the game up front. And, and we've got to become more physical. We've got to play more physical. And I think that comes when you remove some of the hesitation. Like I said, Saturday after the ball game, I felt like um, we were a little bit slow and a little bit hesitant trying to kind of diagnose what we were, what we were trying to do up front. And in reality, we got to go cut it loose and we got to play a brand and style of football that, that is ours. And that's important. You're right. The brand of football. What is that brand, though? What, what is that? Texas Longhorn brand of football without having a B. John Robinson. Now, I told you yesterday, I thought Jaden Blue and, and Jonathan Brooks, they played a great game. And I know that people are probably saying, well, he could have busted here. He could have busted there. What are they going to do on this? Line? It goes back to that offensive line of scrimmage. We talked about last year, B. John and Rojo hiding some of those imperfections on that offensive line. But that doesn't mean that they can't get better. And as 
those guys continue to grow and understand what is being asked of them. The challenge is now. I just talked about what, what does it take for you to be great? And someone hit us up yesterday and was talking about Texas always seems to play down to their opponents. Well, they play up to their opponents as well. So that's the, the, the measuring stick of this week that I am going to continue to look at and hopefully find a way to, to come to a better conclusion of what I think this team's capability is. I've told you, I'm 10 and two all day, 10 and two with this squad. I, I don't even know where the losses are going to be now because we saw what happened with the big 12 this week. Um, this might be one of those, but how is the effort and the, the striking ability of this football team and that offensive line raising up to pushing the envelope for this Texas football team. The, we, we, we broke it down early. We talked about the offensive back room. I mean, the offensive wide receiver room. We talked about the defensive line and how the push and how the defense may be the strongest part of this football team. It's been talked about for, for, for the last month and a half leading up to the first game, and we did not uh, miss that. So that is a, a chance for all of us to sit there and say, okay, this defense is going to show up. What are they going to do in Tuscaloosa? Well, it's going to be an interesting moment um, for all of us. And as you're watching this, please make sure you like this video, continue to share, tell five friends and have those five friends tell another five friends and continue to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Also, you can get us on the app. Wherever you go to the App Store, go to TexasSportsUnfiltered.com. You can follow us on Instagram, also at Texas Sports Unfiltered. And you can also hit us up on the text line, 512-222-9328. Uh, before we transition and talk a little bit about Major League Baseball, because I want to get into that because there was a big series um, between the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. I wanted to go to one more um, statement by Sark. Uh, Sark and Jalen Milrow, they have history. They've spent some time together. They Sark actually recruited him to Alabama after he decommits to Texas. I mean, from Texas, he decommits and goes to Alabama, which I'm sure that that is what they've been looking for. This is the type of offense. And I know a lot of people are kind of trying to compare him right now to a, a uh, Jalen Hurts. I wouldn't put him in that category just yet. I know that he's a talented young man. He's done some amazing, amazing things thus far. And I'm, I was a big fan of him from the very beginning. And obviously the people in the SEC are a big fan of him as well because he was named co-offensive player of the week. He uh, came from Katie Tompkins. Katie Tompkins. He had five touchdowns against Middle Tennessee State, and three of them for, um, were passing touchdowns. Obviously, he has the big run, and that's going to be the part of this week's game plan for the Texas Longhorns. How are you going to stop him? Not necessarily with his arms, but definitely with his leg. And Sark has some things to say about Bama, their offense, and, of course, Jalen Milrow. Well, Jalen's a fantastic player. Uh, you know, I got a chance to recruit him out of high school. Um, you know, he, he's got a, a dynamic arm. Uh, he can make every throw in the book, it, off platform, on the run, doesn't matter. 
He's a, a tremendous runner. He's an elite runner with the ball in his hand, uh, with his speed and his physicality. Uh, and he's highly competitive. He's a really good leader. And the thing probably that concerns me the most about that is they're very balanced. You know, they can run the ball with the runner. Uh, they've got really good speed on the perimeter with Isaiah Bond and uh, Jermaine Burton and, and that crew that they have there. They utilize their tight ends, and they got a physical offensive line. And so you put all that together, and then ultimately the threat of the quarterback run. You know, they've got a multitude of quarterback runs, whether they're zone reads, power reads, quarterback direct runs, quarterback scrambles on third downs. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing that's the toughest to prepare for, that we're going to have to spend extra time of how do we, how do we control and contain the quarterback with his legs. The, the rest of the offense is the offense which you see, and it's good, and it's, it's very well designed, and they've got really good pieces. But the quarterback run, uh, and no one, they're going to run the quarterback. It's, it's not a secret. What they did in week one is, is you know, we're going to get something different, and that's okay. Um, but, but, you know, making sure that we are accounting for number four and all of the quarterback run games is going to be a real key to the drill. No doubt about it. You're going to have to figure something out. And I was talking last night with a couple of friends and we were trying to figure out what would be the proper way to quote unquote spy. Uh, I don't know if you want to spy because then you're taking people out of the box. You're, you're the numbers. This was one of the things that Tom Herman talked about all the time is if I have a guy and it's 11 on 11 and my guy can run the ball and it comes down to one on one, I think my guy can beat him. But who is the guy that you can put on him if you're the Texas Longhorns? You're going to put Jalen Ford on him? I don't know. Jalen Ford is more of a big play guy for you, can make some plays. He can fill the gaps, but you want him in those space plays where he can pick a guy off. Uh, so who might be that guy? And it can't be Jet Bush. Let's let's put that out there. Love Jet Bush, but Jet Bush cannot be the guy that you're going to put in there to try to stop him. Anthony Hill, is this your time to step up, or do you try to bring in an extra defensive back that can tackle in space and make him that spot? Jade Barron is somebody that I would look at as well if you're not going to figure out who's going to be that linebacker in that position to do so. There's so many things to get into this week. We got all week to break that down. I will be back uh, and, and talking about the Texas Longhorns matchup with Alabama a little bit later as I also do a look around this, this Texas area because we still got a chance to talk about uh, Texas State and Baylor. Uh, Texas State getting ready to play UTSA. I want to break a little bit of that down. And then, of course, you want to look at that Texas Tech game where they are really, really going through it and love it. But again, it goes back to my point. Are you going to give up on your team? Are you going to ride with your team? Are you going to make a, a snap decision? Because it's the beginning of the year and a lot of things can kind of change quickly. So don't, don't give up on your squad just yet. Just kind of hang in there and see what happens next. But right now, I want to give a shout out to Covert in BK. They're nestled on 42 acres in the beautiful hill country in BK, Texas. Covert BKs has three new state-of-the-art uh, dealerships pairing seven brands, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. In addition to some other brands that they carry with Covert Ford in Huddle and Ford Lincoln, in Austin off of 183. I just had my car service there. So make sure you give those folks a shout. Go to covertbcave.com. They've got 86 service bays throughout. So your wait time will be minimal and always give yourself 
a good time with the covert folks. Uh, CovertBK.com and let them know that we sent you over there and pick yourself up a car. Uh, right now, I want to transition to Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is something that is near and dear to me. I've been chomping at the bit. I'm going to do uh, KD's going to come on uh, next couple weeks with me to talk some MLB, college baseball, and just baseball playoffs in general. But one of the biggest stories right now and has been the entire year is one uh, Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. Right now, you are looking at the Seattle Mariners, who are 77 and 60, the Houston uh, Astros, 78 and 61. They're virtually tied. Uh, at the uh, number one slot with the Texas Rangers coming in at 76 and 61. Got a chance to go to spring training this year with the Texas Rangers, and I thought that they were going to be good. The one thing that I didn't realize was that that bullpen was going to be doo-doo. Right now, they are doo-doo, and they are hurting their chances. But if you're a Houston Astros fan, you are enjoying it because yesterday you take game one of a very crucial game uh, between the Rangers and the Astros. The, the, the Astros win 13 to six. Uh, it's crucial strictly because of what I just said about the divisional races. They're in a three-way race right now. And it's been like that for uh, quite some time because the Seattle Mariners got hot at the right time and they made it really, really tight. So we'll see what happens. The Mariners lost yesterday to the Cincinnati Reds. So that played into it. And now, especially with the Strohs getting back after they got swept by the Yankees in Houston, Jose Altuve said, man, we got to get it going. It's good for us to get this win because uh, Mauricio Dubon and Jose Altuve hit consecutive homers in the sixth and ninth innings, marking the first time that a nine-hole hitter, that was Dubon, and the leadoff hitter, Jose Altuve, went back-to-back -back twice in a game. According to OptiStats, um, the only time that this has happened, the only other time in the Astros history that this has happened where players hit back-to-back -back homers twice is when Craig Biggio and my man Lance Berkman, the big donkey, did it on July 25th, uh, 2005 against the Phillies. The biggest swing of the game came from Yarner Diaz, who was another guy that I keep trying to figure out why is he not playing. And the main guy that I always talk about and I'm trying to figure out why Chaz McCormick is never in the lineup. It's really annoying to me because all this dude does is make plays. He was a hero last year in the World Series, going up against the wall, making plays against the Philadelphia Phillies to help in the Houston Astros get uh, win the, the World Series. But for some reason, Dusty Baker just doesn't believe that he should be in the lineup every day, which – to me, is 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 we got to get more of the story. I'm gonna have to reach out to my people down there and find out what's truly going on because I believe Chaz McCormick um, could definitely be one of those guys you could look at as like, dang, he could be the MVP of the Astros. I mean, he's done everything that has been asked of him, including sitting on the bench, and he hadn't come out with any stories. We haven't heard anything bad about him. I don't know. I don't, I got to find out if he if he's one of those guys that like the nightlife. <laughs> like your boy used to, or is he one of those guys that is all in? Because he seems to be all in. And every time I, I get a chance to watch them, because I do watch the Astros, I watch the Rangers as well, but I watch the Astros a lot. And I'm still dumbfounded by the fact that he's not getting a chance to play more. 
Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, what about um, Alvarez, Jordan? He definitely needs to be in the lineup. So it takes one of those bats because now he's playing uh, left field more. Then you got Dubon, who's been playing really good and, and has been exciting because he's played multiple positions and filled in with the injuries. But the person that I don't understand how he keeps playing is Jake Myers. Jake Myers, to me, is one of those guys that, yeah, he can be your fourth or fifth outfielder, but he's not your everyday outfielder. He's proven that. Now, he could get hot and things can change, but he's not your everyday outfielder. And maybe that's it. Maybe Dusty looks at him and believes that he's a better defensive outfielder than Chaz McCormick. But I've seen Chaz go up on the wall and make a game-winning catch for you, so I don't understand how he's not in that lineup. But let's get back over to the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers bullpen continues to melt down. They are one of the worst, if not the worst, bullpen. I, I've been watching this team, as I said, since spring training. With all the acquisitions that they made, they've been very aggressive. I thought the Jacob DeGrom move was great. I thought the Nathan Uvalde move was great, even though both of those guys have some histories of some injuries. As a matter of fact, Nathan Uvalde will make his first start tonight against Framer Valdez, who ever since his no-hitter, he's kind of struggled a little bit too. So it'll be interesting to watch. But this bullpen, what they did yesterday, they gave up nine, nine earned runs coming out of the bullpen. They even brought Martin Perez, a starter, an all-star, before. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Out of the bullpen to try to, I don't know if it was his side day and they just needed him to get some innings so he could get the work in, but there was an ugly, ugly loss yesterday for the Texas Rangers. The one bright spot and continues to be a huge bright spot is my man, Corey Seager. He would definitely be one of those guys that uh, would be in the MVP race, if not for some of the numbers that were being put up by Shohei Otani, who I don't know if his numbers are still the same because he's not pitching. And I think yesterday I saw a video of him with an oblique injury while he was in the batting cages. So it'll be tough to see what's going on with him. But as I sit today and I look at Corey Seager, he had another big, big night with three. He went three for five with two home runs. And this dude has been doing it all year. And that was after he came back off of an injury. I mean, he and he, by the way, guys, he is probably one of the biggest shortstops that I've seen in a very, very long time. And what I mean by that is my man is like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, playing shortstop, and he is thick with it. He fills out the batter's box. He uh, he takes a great approach at the plate. And then you continue to see every, every at-bat that he takes, he brings it. He brings it every single at-bat. And not only goes yard, but goes way back. I think he's got number, he's got 28 home runs now. And uh, 
being very aggressive at the play, playing some good shortstop. I know you're going to say, well, he missed that ball at shortstop last night. It was a difficult play. That game was getting out of hand anyway. If he makes that play, yeah, it might change a little bit, but that's not what it was about. This guy is an all-star shortstop. He's a stud, and he is definitely one of the guys that I would be putting on that American League uh, MVP ballot. What up, Sal? Uh, you're them Yankees up there in the Mets. Boy, boy, oh boy. Sorry to see that, my brother. Sorry to see that. But uh, as we continue to go along, we're going to continue to talk about Major League Baseball. We're going to look at some of these pennant chases. Who's going to be there at the end? I think the Astros are going to eventually get there. And the only reason why I say that is strictly because of their their uh, ability to win ball games. That's who they are. That's who they've always been. They've been in the mix. They're going to continue to fight. They're going to get guys healthy. Their pitching staff is going to be able to, to pick it up and make some things uh, happen for them. You, you, that's just who they are. And I know I'm being very critical of my man Dusty Baker, toothpick, wristbands, sweatbands, getting it all in. But, wow, they need to figure out that lineup at the end. But most importantly, they're going to get that pitching staff uh, back. I talked about them uh, going to get Scherzer for the Rangers and making those big-time moves at the trade deadline. But the Astros did too, going back and getting Verlander, getting him back in the fold, bringing back that leadership and having that ability to help their pitching staff from, from what he knew before to where he is now. That's going to be something to pay attention to. Also a team to pay attention to, and I'm going to be working on my man Chipper Jones this week so I can get him on. Those Atlanta Braves have already won 90 games. First team to 90 wins this season. They are really just putting it on people. They are plus 239 in run differential. Ronald Acuna Jr., I know that I'm a big fan of Mookie Betts. Mookie. I love me some Mookie Betts, but Ronald Acuna Jr. and what he's been able to do has been very, very impressive. And this is a guy that once he's been healthy and he's matured and everything else that just happened with this young man just got married and he's been hitting home runs ever since he got married. I think he's figured it out. Settle down, slow down, and then you can get down if you know what I mean. So that's going to be my talk about the uh, baseball for today. We'll make sure and get back into that uh, every day this week because I know that everybody and all these fans are getting ready for baseball season. It is that time. Pennant chases are going down. Right now, I want to give a shout out to uh, Woods, Syntex Tickets, Last Stand Hats, my boy Mike Murphy over there. I already talked about your Covert BK, Brain Ball, All Stat Beer. Relax the back. I know my man Buck always needs that. Top Gun Rentals and uh, Lawn Equipment, and, of course, 7-Eleven. So I want to check this out right here. So here's one of the things that I was talking about at the opening. I was talking about the Dallas Cowboys. In case y'all don't know, I'm a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. And, of course, I am a Dak fan. So I know a lot of you are Dak haters, and one of them just stepped into the chat, my man. But I'm telling you right now. This is going to be a surprise year for a lot of teams, but most importantly for the Dallas Cowboys. And you're saying, how are you, how's it going to be a surprise year? The Cowboys are loaded. They, they got this, they got that. The surprise of this team is going to be the way that they approach every single game. 
We we've talked about the Texas Coast offense is what they're calling it. It's a Dak friendly offense. It's a Mike McCarthy friendly offense. But the one thing that I continue to look at and continue to think about is the running game. If you can run the ball a little bit to be effective, your play action is the most important thing for Dak Prescott. I've talked about it numerous times. I've I've told everybody that wanted to listen. And if you go to Pro Football Focus, who I'm not always a big fan of because I always say numbers can be skewed. We've seen that with people doing taxes. We've seen that with people trying to find a way out. But I want you to know this. If you can be a better play action team, Dak can be your star. I promise you that. You've got a lot of weapons. But if you got him just dropping back every single time with no threat of a running game where got linebackers can drop into that safety net, that zone that they take, that 10-step drop that those linebackers get on their depth, that's where the problem is. But if they can come up and they can make some moves and be able to, to have that one second to get and make a look at it and see if they're going to run the ball and then they get back out, that can eat you up. Sorry about that. I need to take a water, water break. But as you sit there and you look at this team, they have an opportunity to do some very special things. And let's not forget, they got our guy, Deuce Vaughn, from the 512, representing all day, every day. Now we can actually cheer for him. He's not at K-State anymore. You can actually cheer for him. This is going to be an opportunity where you are going to say, man, I really like this offense. I really do. The Dallas Cowboys offense has always been in the top five, top 10 for sure, no matter what. The passing numbers are always up. We had good running games. But the problem was you got pass happy and the clock didn't stop for you. When you have the running game and you can shorten the football games, that is huge. Because we're seeing it now in college football. College football has changed the way that they that, that you look at. There's been a lot of changes. Games are faster. We talked about it in baseball before. Things are faster. You don't have all that time. You don't need to throw in completions. You don't need to rush to get back to the line. Now, we will have some up-tempo. I guarantee you that. We will see some up-tempo football from the Dallas Cowboys, which I enjoy. But I also understand how to play the slow game and look at that clock and say, hey, man, we're putting ourselves in a position to be able to win this ball game by shortening the opportunities for the other team to get the ball. Now, the Dallas Cowboy defense, whoo, top five. They're going to be top five all year. And if you ain't drinking that Kool-Aid, I don't know what you're looking at. Dan Quinn, hmm, let me just tell you, they coming, as my boy Deion Sanders would say. Another thing I want to congratulate the Dallas Cowboys on doing is before the season started, they've been very aggressive of trying to lock up a lot of their players, their younger players, the guys that are coming up for contracts, and they're putting them in good numbers. They've, they've done it early. They got Trayvon Diggs, five years, $97 million contract. They got Terrence Steele, a five-year, $86.8 million contract, where I think he got $50 million in guaranteed money. That just happened. And by the way, 
shout out to the undrafted free agents that are now getting that money. That's my man, Terrence Steele. Texas Tech, that's one thing you can get your guns up about. That man went out there and did it, earned it from the mud, and now he's getting paid. They just signed a two-year extension to Zach Martin at 36.85. They also have signed J. Ron Curse, who changed numbers, by the way. He's number one in your scorebook and number one in your hearts if you're a Cowboy fan in that secondary. He just got paid, and they've continued to wrap up their young players. The next player that I've seen that will definitely get wrapped up will be C.D. Lamb. And, of course, the biggest deal of all is Micah Parson, who becomes eligible for an extension next year. But you already know that Jerry's been talking about it, trying to get that man lined up and trying to make sure that that young man gets paid. And since we're talking about Micah Parsons and what the expectations are for the Dallas Cowboys on that defense, uh, the folks over at Bleacher Report have now come out with their favorites uh, to win defensive player of the year. And I'm going to give you the options on this, and you just let me know your thoughts in this situation. <clears throat> Sauce Gardner, who was the defensive player of the year as a rookie last year, the rookie defensive player of the year, comes in right now at plus 1,600. Uh, that's the cornerback for the New York Jets. San Francisco 49er edge rusher Nick Bosa is plus 1,200. T.J. Watt, the monster for the um, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, who you you see how valuable he is to that team when he's not there. T.J. Watt is somebody to be reckoned with. Oh, yeah, by the way, Cowboy fans, don't forget, you could have drafted him, and they decided to pass. As a matter of fact, I think that's when we took Zeke, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't know. I might be wrong on that one. But either way, we could have had a Watt on our team. Uh, the Cleveland Browns edge rusher. You notice the, the theme here is one defensive back and all the other guys, they get paid to go get the quarterback to the other team's quarterback must go down and he must go down hard. These are the guys that are doing it. Uh, Miles Garrett, he's at plus 800. And of course, the odds on favor at plus 500 is our man, Micah Parsons. As, as a fan of both of these all of these players, actually, if you're watching the NFL, you, you you start looking at their crafts, regardless of the team that they're on. You see who the most disruptive players are. They are definitely in the mix of it. Sauce Gardner, as I said, he's the only one that's not there because, I mean, he's not a disruptor. He's disruptor on routes. He's a disruptor on interceptions. But getting to the quarterback, he's affecting them in a different way. But those those edge rushers are the ones that are definitely – going after you so if you wanted to take the best value on this who would be your guy who would be your guy they do have one dark horse they do have one dark horse the one dark horse is Aiden Hutchinson Detroit Lions fans stand up there's not very many of y'all out there but those that are out there I know you like you some Aiden Hutchinson Aiden Hutchinson if you wanted to take a flyer is plus 2500 it's a lot of cake on that, and that's not a bad pick at it. But if you look at what Michael Parsons means to the Dallas Cowboys, as I said about what T.J. Watt means to that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, this guy has had his mind focused on this. He's got a great 
great defensive coordinator in Dan Quinn. And if you heard the relationship between those two and what they mean to each other and how they go about that, they have been fixing this for quite some time. I'm, we're here in Austin, Texas, so we, we're around a lot of great athletes. And there's a great training facility that's here with my man Jeremy Hills. He's got his place. It's called The Collective. Micah Parsons is always here working out. So what did Micah Parsons do? Micah Parsons decided, you know what? I need to learn how to get around those deep, those offensive linemen, those big tackles that are out there. What can I do to get better? So you know what he did? He called Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth, who will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, who's played in the NFL. Now you can see him. He's with Amazon, I believe, and he'd be doing Thursday night games. But what I wanted to, to say is that you need to understand the thought process and the drive that this young man has. He is creating a moment for himself to where there, there is no failure that will be accepted. That's the mentality. And if you were paying attention to some of the things that were happening during training camp between the Dallas Cowboys offense and the Dallas Cowboys defense and the conversations and the back and forth, and we've talked about this numerous times, and, it, and if you competed at, a, at any level and you knew the guy across for you was better, but you were trying to find a way to get that edge where you can create uh, that iron sharpening iron situation. That's what you did. You liked going ones against ones because, you know, first team defense against first team offense, they're going to be a lot of talking. And if your team is your defense is ranked as high as the Dallas Cowboys power ranking on the defensive side, as I said, this can be a top, 10 defense for sure, and I believe top five by the end of the season. If everything goes the way I'm expecting it to go, this defense is going to be one of those elite type of defenses. Transparency, going back, let's go back a little bit. As I was talking about the Texas Longhorns, because these two teams are parallel to me, they always will be. When there is a high expectation, both of them have them at the same time. When it's low and they're having their low moments, Seems like they're both having them at the same time. So for me, both of these teams are going to be led early by their defense. The offense is going to come. They're going to be involved. But both teams are led by their defenses early. But if you're going one against one in practice and you're making yourself better and you're making that guy across from you better, it's a win-win. If that guy across from you is just whooping your butt the entire time, that means that you're not making him better because he's going to think that everything is going to be like that in the game. And then the reality sets in, whew, things kind of change. So what I would say is continue to look at how this team progresses week to week. We talked about it yesterday. Each team gets week to week, um, gets better. And if they're not doing that, that is a huge, huge problem. I'm looking at both of these teams this week. Cowboys get started this weekend, Saturday, Sunday night uh, against the New York Giants. I'm looking very forward to it. And I'm excited more about the fact of what can be and what we're hoping to see happen happens quicker than later.
I want to take a quick break right now and give a shout out to our man, Tom McKay. Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. We were talking about it earlier. You start looking at what you want to do to watch all your sports, or even if you want to create that home theater, Tom McKay has done that. And he's been to my house. He's set up BK's house. He set up a lot of bars in this town as well as bars and restaurant. I know a lot of people like to spend time there. Those TVs that are up on the wall, you best believe that Tom McKay had something to do with it. Go to avconsultations.com and check them out online or give them a call. 512-255-8678. Tom McKay and his crew will do everything for you to make sure that you're enjoying, especially this weekend, the Alabama in the Texas game. Ooh, in Tuscaloosa. That's what it's all about. Uh, speaking of that, let's get right back to that game. I want to talk a little bit more about what I'm expecting when you start thinking about this running game for the Texas Longhorns. The Texas Longhorn running game is 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 going to be kind of like what I talked about with the Texas uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. We don't know how effective they're going to be. We don't know how exciting they're going to be. But what we do know is you have to be able to run the football. You can't just sit back there and think you're going to take seven drops, seven step drops and fling the ball down the field without being able to establish the run, especially with these running backs. Um, we talked about it at the very beginning of the show about how the difference on this team and how they will play down to their level, to the to their competition's level, as opposed to playing over them. And that is where the disappointment starts for this team. But I'm 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 a firm, firm believer that this team will be able to uh, to show up in this offensive line. I know they're back in the lab right now working on that. They have to because you can't have Quinn dropping back, not being protected, and continuing to take those hits on where most of the time you're thinking, wait a minute, what 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 just happened? Quinn's footwork, still a little sketchy. He's got to work on that. There were some times I thought that he did some things well. There were some things that he didn't do well after going back and watching a little bit more of it. But he didn't play as bad as a lot of people kept trying to talk about. There are some plays that he needs to make. We know it. Going back to the deep ball, got to make sure he gets it, got to hit it. And and he missed out on a couple of plays. That's okay. It's okay. We got time to improve. But Sark wanted to talk a little bit about the difference in Quinn yours before and where he is now. I think there's just a level of confidence in Quinn that's different. Um, you know, a year ago he's making his second career start and probably still learning our offense, quite frankly, and the nuances of our offense. I think there's a level of confidence in him uh, this year around and, and focused in on, you know, how does he – how does he operate plays in, 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 in the system in a way to help the other guys and not because he's got a pretty firm grasp of what he's doing? Um, but to me, the biggest thing showed up Saturday was just the maturity, uh, the way he rebounded coming out of halftime um, after a couple frustrating things. I know the quarterback takes a lot of the brunt of when things aren't just clicking smoothly on offense, but we, we blew some protections that weren't on him, and he took some unnecessary hits and sacks that, that weren't on him. We didn't run a couple routes very well, especially on a couple deep balls when you go back and watch the tape um, and how we ran them and then 
the, the throw looks errant, but quite frankly, the route wasn't exactly where it was supposed to be either. And so, but that's the life you live as a quarterback, right? You you assume you assume the blame, right? And then you give the praise when it's good. And so, uh, but for Quinn, that didn't rattle him. You know, we got back at halftime. We got things kind of kind of rectified and uh, came out and played a really clean first three drives there in the second half. Uh, so I think that he's in a good space and ready to go this week. And that's what it's all about. I'm sure he's going to be in a good space. He knows what happened last year. This is a, what do you call it, redemption tour for for Quinn because he saw what he was able to do against this Alabama defense. Now, Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid's going to be out there. Kool-Aid mystery is going to be out there. He's going to make some plays. And also, I want you all to pay attention to this freshman, Caleb Downs. He was a freshman of the week in the SEC. He's a defensive back that can play all over. And one of the things that everybody doesn't realize is this young man got a chance to practice with Bama during their bowl prep week because he enrolled in school early. And his first game, Middle Tennessee State, he went for eight tackles and had one tackle for loss. So the secondary is going to play a major part as we expected. But like anything else, you know you have to go out there and make some things happen. Uh, by the way, everybody that's telling me I got nice digs, I appreciate that. But this ain't my house. I'm on location today, so I had to put a green screen behind y'all and let your boy play a little piano over there, let y'all know that I have some things going on. But, yeah, I'm on location today. I'm in my office, so I had to get out there and do some things. But uh, I want to go to a couple of these comments right here because we were just talking about Quinn, and I think this is very, very important. Uh, JSD. TX Quinn yours is good enough to win if he doesn't force if it doesn't force him to throw a lot of balls that he cannot complete work with his strengths don't run on Bama as they are trained to hit the quarterbacks hard now the one thing that I will disagree with on him running is run to get the first downs run to keep the drives alive don't run to think you finna be VY and try to make a big play down there no 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 you right Don't be over there taking no knocks like that just because you feel like that's the right thing to do to help your team. No, man, you saw Jalen Daniels of LSU try to jump over the top in the middle like a dumb dumb and almost get his neck broke over there. No, don't don't do that. But run enough to make sure that you can get and, and help you extend plays and extend drives for your team. I really do. Uh think that this is a big week for the Texas Longhorn uh, football team. I think this is a bigger week for Sark because he know that he knows that he had an opportunity last year and it still almost happened because those big, big, big guys up front, those big humans for the Texas defense played their butts off, which was very, very impressive. But this week is a big week strictly because Sark knows the criticism that he had from this week, even though I thought it was minimal, there was some criticism because of eh, the vanilla-ness. But I was more impressed with the way that he handled it and where he's headed next. Pay attention to that because this is a big, big week for this football team. One thing you're going to pay attention to is you're going to make sure that offensive line comes out and is ready to go. The secondary, although they're going to be challenged a little bit, these aren't the same wide receivers and big play wide receivers that they are used to having at Alabama. 
think it's going to happen sooner enough. I think they're going to get some of those players to uh, be recruited to Alabama, especially this is a game that's going to be nationally televised. It's primetime, 6 o'clock ESPN, four-letter network. Uh, game day is going to be there just like they were here in Austin last year. This is going to be one of those games that all eyes are going to be on and the questions and the doubters and the people are going to continue to ask, is Texas ready for the SEC? and what they're able to do. I think they are. I think this is going to be fun to watch. I think this is one of those games that's going to come down to a field goal. And don't forget my man, Redhead, Mr. Auburn. He was he was deadly. He was deadly this weekend. I was proud of him. We still don't know. You always question it in the pressure situations. We've seen kickers come through. We've seen kickers end up <coughs> – Excuse me. Missing some, but I think we got everything that we need in this place. Once again, your boy Harbaugh Hard here. Excited to be a part of the Texas Sports Unfiltered Network. My man Brad Kellner and BK, I mean BK and Trey coming up next. But make sure that you're tuned in all day, starting at 8 a.m. with my man, the coach, Bucky Gabo gets things started with BK from 8 to 10. We got Chaos Theory with my man Wags and Rodney Rodriguez from 10 to 11. Your boy Harbaugh Harge from 11 to 12. Trip, uh, Trey and BK following me from 12 to 1 and Chip and Zay breaking it down from 1 to 3. And then we're finishing off. We got a new show. It's the Unnamed Afternoon Show. They're still working on that. And it's from 3 to 5. And it's going to be with Trey and either KD or Jeff Howe, they'll let you know one way or another. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be wall-to-wall with Texas football and the Lone Star State talking baseball, football, basketball. And as things go on, we will continue to bring it all to you. It is so fun to be here. And don't worry, folks, I will have my exit music coming on pretty soon, but it won't be on that piano right there. I might have to do that. Let me get that going for y'all. I know I'm not no Beethoven for y'all, but your boy does uh, listen to a little bit of classical when he needs to. Uh, let me ask you this. And this is something that I want y'all to think about. And I'll pose this question to you tomorrow. What besides a victory, let's, let's, let's just say Texas wins the game. What is your biggest thought? that you would want to see happen in that game. What would make you believe that the Texas Longhorns, after this victory, after this victory, what would the Texas Longhorns record finish up? Because this was one of the games that I was kind of, let's see what happens. It's Bama. It's at Bama. They don't lose a lot of games at home, especially these types of games. They have tough ones. They have tough ones. As, as my man pointed out a little bit earlier, they definitely have some tough games over there. But what are some of the big, big thoughts for the Texas Longhorns moving forward? And what do you want to see from the Texas Longhorns? My man BK is sitting in the bullpen getting ready to start that. BK, hop on here real quick, man, because I want to ask you something. I want to ask you something. What's up, Harsh? I know, what's up, man? How are you? 
Oh, fantastic, man. I like uh like that background you got. Yeah, you want to play a little man. Mozart, man. You know, your boy's over here tickling man. the ivories. I'm I thought I knew ivory. a lot about you, but apparently not. <laughs> hey, man, when you're on location, you got to make things work, my brother. You got to make <laughs> things work. Yes, so let me ask you this. As you're looking into this weekend, and you know there's a lot to be made about this Texas Longhorn team, uh, what they didn't do on the offensive line, but the defense showed up. Texas wins this weekend because of what? Well, they win this weekend because they win in the trenches. And I heard you play the Sark audio a little bit earlier. I heard you talking about it earlier. You know, Texas just didn't get the job done on the line of scrimmage in that game against Rice. And that's obviously scary thinking about what they're about to go up against in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. But and to me, football is very basic, Harch. Games at all levels, peewee up to the NFL, are won and lost in the trenches. Correct. And if Texas's offensive line is able to impose their will against Bama's defensive front, then Texas is going to be able to run the ball. Ewers is going to have time to make things happen in the passing game, and Texas is going to do what it wants offensively. And obviously, flip the script, if Texas's D-line is able to impose its will on the Bama O-line, then hey, Bama's not going to be able to do what it wants to do offensively against the Longhorns. So, man, the offensive and defensive lines, we might be talking about Ewers or Worthy or C.J. Baxter or Jonathan Brooks or whatever, one of those skill position guys right. if Texas wins this game on Saturday. But, no, it's the uh, it's the big uglies up front who are going to determine who wins this thing. Yeah, the big humans are definitely going to be the ones that are going to play a major part in the success and the failures of this Texas football team on both sides of the ball, especially going into this weekend, but also all season long that's the things that i'm gonna be talking about i'm sure you and trey are gonna be off the rails on something crazy as usual there's no telling what you guys what it's gonna be all about but hey. i guarantee the folks will be tuning in to trey and bk faux show let me show you this harch because trey isn't here yet so uh we'll get his reaction to this video once the uh, midday show gets going but i just found this on twitter a couple of minutes ago uh, you talk about talent, man. This is some talent right here. Check this out. So this is the Badogi hot dog. They're actually so big here. The size of their wieners. Look, all right, let's go buy this. What do you think about that? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> man. I mean, she just guzzled that thing. And she even prefaced it for us to tell us, let's do it in one bite. Oh, man. That wasn't even a bite. No, that it wasn't, wasn't a bite. bite. There's just, is there a hole in the back of her head? How did I that, think that was that one go? of those accordion hot dogs. I think that was an accordion <laughs> hot dog. I mean, where did that go? It How just, did she? It just shrunk. It just shrunk as she, as she put it in her mouth. That oh. right there, my friend, was. Uh, Wow. Glizzy wow. gladiator right there. Yeah. I don't know if I'm turned on or turned off by that, Harge. Hey, I don't I don't know. For the hills, because <laughs> you may not be able to obviously satisfy her 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 need for speed, if you know what I mean. Hey, you know what they say? Hot dog down a hallway. That's that's what that was right there. They're usually talking about a different hole, I think, when we're talking about that, but that was that's the hallway right there for her. Oh. And that hot dog oh. went straight through. Oh, my goodness. I am. Uh, 
I just really don't know how to react to that. I'm really, I mean, <laughs> how's that? How's that to end day two of uh, hanging with Arch, huh? Boy, oh boy. Well, just remember, folks, don't believe everything you see because even salt looks like sugar. Peace. You're the man, Arch. You are.